slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Hi and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast. Lots to talk about here on this Thursday as we prepare you for Islanders Panthers in Florida tonight. We will also take a look at the Islanders defensive core and have an interesting look back at a clash between the Islanders and the Devils on this date in Islanders history. All right, let's first start off talking about the Islanders defense. You know, We talked a number of times, for those of you who have been listening to the show regularly, about how the Islanders' defense has been very productive this year. That almost every game out of the 29 that the team has played, a defenseman has scored at least one point. And that's interesting because when you look at it, none of these Islanders are elite offensive defensemen. And... When you add on to that, the fact that Barry Trotz is a defense-first coach, playing a defense-first system. Uh, Look, you go back in history, he had a Hall of Fame offensive talent like Scott Niedermeyer when he was with the Devils, who his numbers were never quite as high as they would have been in another system because of the way that Lou Lamorello had his teams play, and now Barry Trotz again, playing that similar system, and yet the Islanders very much getting production from their blue line. Ryan Pulak, four goals, 11 points, 11 assists, 15 points. Uh, Does a good job on the power play. Four of his 15 points come with the man advantage, and part of that is because he has such a great shot from the point. Devin Tays, 29 games, two goals, 12 points, a plus eight, and The thing about Taze is just how well he times his pinches. Devin Taze, more than almost any other Islander defenseman, knows how to pinch, when to pinch, without giving up an odd man rush the other way. And that is an important skill. He is smart. He sees the ice very well. He anticipates very, very well. And as a result, numerous times, he is able to keep pucks in the offensive zone without the puck going back the other way for an odd man rush. So that is a very important talent to have on defense. Nick Letty, 23 games, 2 goals, 11 points, a plus 5, plus minus. Letty adds experience. He can quarterback the power play. And again, a leader in the locker room when he is out there. Scott Mayfield, 29 games, played them all. He has four goals, five points, a plus five. And uh, Mayfield, just a very strong player, has a shorthanded assist. And again, positionally, Scott Mayfield, very smart. And you're noticing sort of a pattern here. 
Johnny Boychuk, 28 games, one goal, six assists, seven points. Boychuk, a plus two, a leader in the locker room, experienced, smart, good with the puck, and not afraid to mix it up physically when he needs to as well. So you add that element to it. Adam Pellick, uh, one goal, six assists, seven points in 29 games, and also uh, a plus three rating. You notice almost all of these defensemen are on the plus side, and that's not a coincidence. And again, the way they play makes a big difference. Noah Dobson, the rookie, eight games, two assists, a plus three. And we talked about him getting some valuable experience here on uh, the Islanders, playing some time on the second power play unit, which is definitely a plus, and learning how to be effective playing against men, not just against boys. Now, as we mentioned yesterday, it remains to be seen whether or not Lou Lamorello opts to keep him on Long Island. He can play one more game before they would have to send him down to juniors for the rest of the season or keep him on Long Island if he plays two more games uh, for the rest of the season. So decision time. I think it is better for Dobson to go down to juniors, but it may be better for the Islanders in the short run to keep Dobson around for depth because they have been dealing with a lot of injuries on the blue line. So we have to keep an eye on Lamarillo, have to see what kind of decision he ends up making. But uh, overall, this Islanders defensive core has a nice mix of people who can shoot, people who are sound defensively, people who are physical, people who know when to pinch and when not to pinch, and they fit well in the Barry Trot slash Lou Lamorello system. And that's what matters. Will any of them make the all-star team? I doubt it. Uh, will any of them, you know, be first team all NHL or second team all NHL at the end of the season? No. But that's not the point. The point is that they fit the system. They play well. They play efficiently. They produce enough offense from the blue line to keep things spiced up and to keep the Islanders humming. And overall, they are really doing a good job for this team over the first 29 games of the season. You have something to say about the Islanders' defense or any other topic that may be on your mind relating to the Islanders? Send us an email. You can email the show at locked on, it's locked on Islanders at gmail.com. Leave your name. Tell us where you're from. And we'll be happy to read your comment or question on the air or to talk about whatever it is that is on your mind concerning the Islanders. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars NYRVSNYI. So those are the ways to keep track of things and, and keep up with the show and the Islanders. Don't forget Nick Letty, not sure about his availability for tonight's game against Florida, but as soon as we hear something, uh, Twitter is the way we will let you know. We're going to take a little break. We still have a lot more to get to, including this date in Islanders history and a full preview of tonight's game against the Florida Panthers in Florida. So stay with us. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, it's time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to December 12, 1987. 
the site, the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Islanders and New Jersey Devils playing a barn burner uh, between two division rivals. And right away, uh, physical play makes itself known here. Randy Wood off for hooking at 241, giving the Devils the first power play opportunity. But good goaltending here in this game. Bob Sove was the goalie for the Devils, while Kelly Rudy was the netminder for the New York Islanders. And this one would be a pretty good game. The Islanders go on the power play, 7-14 into that first period, when Joe Sorella is called for holding. And then, six seconds later, Brent Sutter scores his 11th goal of the year on the power play. Give the helpers to Dennis Potvin and Miko Makala. And after 20 minutes, the Islanders held a one to nothing advantage. The second period was the most physical and the toughest. 2.37 in, Brent Sutter, four minutes for roughing. Tom Curvers of New Jersey, two for slashing and two for roughing. The Islanders take a 2-0 lead when Brian Trottier gets his 12th of the year, assist from Miko Makala at 1.34. And then, less than two minutes later, it's Pat LaFontaine. His 18th of the year from Gerald Diddick and Brad Lauer, and the Islanders held a 3-0 lead. But as is the case with most division rivalry kind of games, it wasn't quite that simple. First of all, more rough stuff in this game. Claude Loisel and Bob Basson uh, getting involved. Aaron Broughton of the Devils took two for unsportsmanlike and two for interference. Jim Korn Got four for roughing, as did Pat Flatley later on in the second period. So, lots of rough stuff going on in the middle stanza of this game. The Devils finally get on the board. Mark Johnson scores his fourth of the year at 11.59. The lone assist on this one to future Hall of Famer Brendan Shanahan. And then at 14.56... An even-strength goal by Doug Brown. His fifth, Mark Johnson, does get the assist. So he has a goal and an assist early. And the Islanders' lead has been reduced to 3-2. to two. That takes us into the third period. And then the Islanders get back and extend their lead to 4-2. to two. Pat LaFontaine finds Brad Lauer. Lauer connects for his fourth of the year. And the Islanders lead 4-2 at 3-22. Then the Devils make it close. Bruce Driver, the defenseman, scores his seventh from John McClain and Joe Sorella. And it's a one-goal game with four minutes, 48 seconds remaining in regulation time. The Devils decide that they should pull their goaltender, Bob Sove, who ended up making 40 saves in 44 shots in this game, comes out of the net. And the Islanders take advantage. Brian Trottier with his second goal of the night, his 13th of the season at 19:32, an empty netter that clinches it for the Islanders. The Islanders skate away with a five-to-three win over the Devils in this game for the Islanders. Rudy with 25 saves to earn the victory. Pat Lafontaine, Brad Lauer, each with a goal and an assist. Miko Makala with two assists and Brian Trottier with two goals in five shots. The Islanders were led in shots 
by Randy Wood with six. Alan Kerr had five, four each for Dennis Potvin and Pat LaFontaine. And in the end, the Islanders skate away with the W, all on this night in Islanders history, December 12, 1987. Islanders 5, Devils 3, and the fans at the Old Barn go home happy. All right, we've got more to come here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll have a full preview of tonight's game in Florida against the Panthers. We'll get to that right after this. All right, so here we go tonight, Islanders-Panthers. This is the third and final meeting between these Eastern Conference rivals. Islanders won the first meeting October 12th, 3-2 at home. And then the second game also at home, the Islanders winning on November 9th by a 2-1 margin. So this is the third and final meeting and the only meeting down in Florida between the Islanders and the Panthers this season. Now, a little bit of news uh, about Nick Letty and his status. He did practice with the team on Wednesday. And again, via Twitter, we'll update you as to his status Thursday and pregame. So I would say it's at least 50-50 that Nick Letty is able to go, but that remains to be seen. You look at the Florida Panthers, and, you know, the Islanders have won both meetings, but they've both been very close. This is a team more or less built for offense. They are fifth in the league in goals scored, seventh in power play percentage at 22.9. Goals against, they are 22nd, so in the bottom third, and the penalty kill is very good. Special teams have helped the Florida Panthers a great deal. They are third in the league at 85.1. Florida right now, 15, 10, and 5. That's 35 points in 30 games that puts them in third place right now in the Atlantic division. They are one point behind Buffalo, but Florida has two games in hand. They're one point ahead of Montreal, but Florida has a game in hand on the Habs. They are uh, one point ahead of Toronto, but they have two games in hand on Toronto and two points ahead of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Lightning have a game in hand on Florida. So very tight standings in the Atlantic, and one game can take a team from second place to sixth uh, just by picking up two points or dropping a game or two in a row. You can drop from second to sixth very, very quickly. The way this is all set up, and these teams are so close together in the standings. Sergei Bobrovsky was the big offseason acquisition for Florida. He is 11 Seven and four this year in 23 starts, 24 games overall, but not living up to his usual statistics, a 3.19 goals against average, one shutout, and a save percentage of just 898, which is not typical Bobrovsky kind of a number. And I think the main reason, if you've been able to watch Sergei Bobrovsky play this year, it's not that he's not playing well. It's just that he had a lot more defensive support Uh, when playing in Columbus uh, because the coaching staff there played a lot more uh, defense-oriented system, and I I just think they had more talent on the blue line in Columbus than they do right now in Florida as far as defensive play is concerned. If we look at the skaters now, the top line, Alexander Barkov is the center with Jonathan Huberdeau and Evgeny Dadanov on the wings. Vincent Trocek centers the second line with Mike Hoffman on his left 
and Dennis Malgin on his right. And the third line, Brian Boyle, will be in the middle between Frank Vetrano and Brett Conley. So those are the top nine forwards. Mackenzie Wieger and Aaron Ekblad, the top defensive pairing. Keith Yandel and Anton Strahlman are the second pairing. And Michael Matheson and Mark Pissick are the third pairing. And you look at the scoring right now. Huberdeau, their leading scorer, 37 points in 30 games, 11 goals, 26 assists. He is a plus 7. Barkov right behind him with 36 points, 10 goals, 26 assists. Keith Yandel is a power play specialist, 23 points, 3 goals, 30 games, but 15 of his points, 2 of his goals, 13 of his assists have come with the extra attacker. Three other players above 20 points, Evgeny Dadanov with 24, 12 goals, 12 assists. Mike Hoffman, 11 goals, 11 assists for 22 points. And Brett Conley, who leads the team with 14 goals, has seven assists and 21 points. Aaron Ekblad right now leads the team in plus minus with a plus 10. As far as hits are concerned, this is not the most physical team. And, you know, maybe that's, again, part of the reason for the higher goals against average for Bobrovsky. Noel Asiari leads the team with 47 hits in 27 games, followed by Brian Boyle with 37, Mackenzie Wieger with 36, Dryden Hunt and Josh Brown next with 35 and 33, respectively. So... That is sort of the, the lineup, but don't expect a whole lot of hitting uh, relative to what we've seen. Jace uh, Haraluk injured and still out of the lineup right now for Florida, but otherwise, this is a team that's pretty healthy. Special teams will be important in this contest. The Islanders going to have to make sure, first of all, that they kill penalties effectively. That is vital against Florida. And second of all, that they can keep the puck pinned into the Florida zone. An aggressive forecheck should be a key for the Islanders if they hope to defeat the Florida Panthers because this Florida team will cough up the puck occasionally and when they do so, it is a situation that the Islanders can take advantage of, create quality scoring chances down low and you know beat Bobrovsky or whoever else may be in goal and create quality scoring chances. So the Islanders coming off their 5-1 to one win over Tampa Bay, hoping to expand on that, and that is always important. Get some momentum. It would be a successful road trip for sure if they could take two out of three, including winning both games in Florida. That is always uh, a, a good way to go for the Islanders. And, and look, you get two out of three on a road trip, you're doing darn well. As for Florida, they're coming off a 2-1 to home loss on Tuesday to Tampa Bay. Before that, they had won two straight at home, beating San Jose 5-1 to on Sunday and beating Columbus 4-1 to on Saturday. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Locked On Islanders. We'll be back tomorrow with a full analysis of tonight's game against Florida, plus a preview of all of this weekend's games. We'll have this date in Islanders history 
and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.